just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This episode is brought to you by Sleep Number. Sleep Number beds allow you to adjust on each side to your ideal firmness, comfort, and support. And with Sleep IQ technology inside the bed, it tracks how you're sleeping and gives you personalized insights for your best sleep. Stick, stick around. <laughs> you stick around. Later in the episode to hear a special segment from us and Sleep Number. Bye! Everybody loves a lover I'm a lover Everybody loves me Anyhow All right. Well, welcome everybody to a new installment of number one world's most internationally beloved podcast, In Bed with Nick and Megan, starring Nick Offerman and featuring <laughs> Megan Mullally. With <laughs> this, this week's is, oh. very special guest star, Mike White. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Mike is a heroic Los Angeles screen writer and director and creator and of actor. television shows and actor and reality, reality television star. Yeah. So we're going to talk about pretty much mostly reality television, but we're gonna, we're gonna throw a bone at the fine works of art that Mike has created. Hi, Mike. Hi. Thanks for coming over for here. Welcome to our bed. You're the first person to wear our complimentary socks. I thought they were, I felt like I was like, I think they want me to wear the socks. They don't want me to get <laughs> no. my dirty feet on we, the bed. No, we no. didn't. Uh, it was because we had a guest who didn't feel, feel comfortable having their feet exposed. So we had to run out and buy socks. Oh, Since we're on, we're in our bed and it's, right. you, you know, want, a lot of people are, wear shoes aren't wearing bed. socks. Look, I look, we're all trusted. So I'm going to. Oh, oh God. I don't I off Listen, socks. I just want to show you. Oh God. The, I've been. I, I Nick's run. Nick's taking his socks off, dear listener. So it's looking pretty good right now. I have these beat up, like no, blistery areas. Why do we have to do oh. this? Well, because I want to find out if it's okay if 
you would prefer me in socks. I just assume. <laughs> yeah. So you okay. do want people to wear socks. Well, I think for the, our guests, okay. I think you feel like Mike White can take it. I just hadn't I, asked. I, now, I don't think that would be I fair to I think you're feeling other, good, though, Nate. Others. Listen, that was communication. We did it. Um, There's at, nothing to be ashamed of. Asked and answered. As far as your feet. Mike, how did we meet? I'm trying to remember. How did how, you and I meet? How did, or are you and You know what's funny is I have a memory of both of you at, I think, my 30th birthday party. I had a 30th birthday party at an old, um, um, it was like a pretty popular, like, Mediterranean restaurant on Melrose that was like, had like a bar and then in the back was like yeah. outdoor seating. It yeah. was like a popular place. It was right near Fairfax, but I, it's gone now. But I, ha I had my 30th birthday there. If we didn't know you yet, why would we have been You were friends with Jack with Black Jack, yeah. and oh. Laura. And and I think, you, was Will and Grace on it at then? Pro yes. Uh, in, it, was t it was 2000. Yeah, that was the year we met, actually. So anyway, and I remember, yeah, you were there together. You yeah, were yeah. at my 30th birthday party. Oh my god. But I don't think we, I mean, it wasn't until much later that we actually were like conversing. But I, May I but say I that you're holding up really well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank when, you. When you is your, when's your birthday? What day, time of the year? What date? Yeah. June 28th. What? Dude, you are two days younger than me. 1970. June 26, 1970. Oh my god. That's June 26th is my dad's birthday. And what? it's Aubrey Plaza's birthday. And it's you Aubrey Plaza's birthday. And Jason Schwartzman's race. birthday. It's Jason Schwartzman's birthday, too. Schwartzman, Paul Thomas Anderson, Ariana Grande. You don't Ariana know Grande. Ariana Grande or Paul Thomas Anderson. No. We're talking about people we sort of know. All right, just friends. That is, I, it's weird. I, I don't, I mean, I grew up in L.A., so I have to know astrology. It's sort of like, at some point, you <laughs> yeah, have to, like, yeah, grade. know what, yeah, so... <laughs> But, like, I don't know if I yeah, really believe in it, all they've done, all that. But, like, it is weird how, like, the people that I know, their birthdays cluster in in times where I'm supposed to be compatible with those people. Like, I know, like, a ton of people, like, in the last week of June and early July birthdays. I do, too, yeah. And, like, a ton of people, end of October, early Nova Scorpios. So yeah, it's, I'm a Scorpio. Yeah, so I'm. So it doesn't surprise me. Like, I oh, like yeah. literally half the friends I have are, are Cancers and Scorpios. That's really funny. Yeah, I, and I I must say I love um, a lot of my friends are Los Angeles natives, and I I, I love the people who grew up here. It's funny because I've really, I've done it. I have done it all. I mean, as far as like <laughs> new age, I like it's just at some point you have to like you the know you have to have trait. your first yeah you have to go to your first you know. Ayurvedic astrologist. It's just it's like, I mean, you can't live here yeah. 50 years and, you know. I don't, you can't get your vehicle registered until you've done that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, I find it's, I actually do find it straight. This is how LA I am. Like when people be like, oh, I don't really know anything about astrology. They'll be my age. I'm like, how can you not know? I mean, you're 50 years old and you don't know your signs? <laughs> you don't know your rising sign? What the fuck? What are you doing? <laughs> there used to be this, uh, amazing metaphysical bookstore in Los Angeles on Melrose called the Bodhi Tree. Yeah, of course. And everybody misses that. It's been closed now for 10 oh, years Oh, I spent so many hours just wandering the Bodhi Tree and never Me coming too. out with a book, just like licking in the aisles. Me too. Just like, yeah. And... Yeah. But I also think I also went through a period where I would do like every like personality, t like the Enneagram, the Myers Briggs, like all like there's so many different 
ways to think about yourself. What did you say? And I've done An it all. Enneagram? What? Enneagram? Like, those, there's the nine personality. Oh. You don't know about the Enneagram? No, I thought I knew all of it. That's basic stuff, Megan. <laughs> I would say you're probably a three. And what's a three? Three is like a performer. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. Most people in our, you know, I mean, it's a, they're also like a cheat. They like a cheat. They like to be. They want to be seen. I'm, I'm a three. Hmm. And what do you think Nick has? Uh, Eight and a half. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's harder for good with know. a shovel. Yeah, there's there's a lot there. You, you should I you know what I can give you a link where you can do a couple like you take it's like a hundred questions, but after you you it, it you can get oh. your results in like I'll, three different I'll types of personality have it done tests by eight o'clock tonight. That's for sure. And actually, I when I was stuff like that. one of the things that was funny when I went on uh, Amazing Race and Survivor is they Amazing Race they make you take all of these standardized psych tests, mm-hmm. and it's I mean that's just like that's. In- I can't think of a more fun way to spend time than like, <laughs> this is what I'm like. Isn't that, isn't that Hollywood or and what? And they don't do that on Survivor? Oh, they, yeah, you do it on Survivor. But what was funny, what's funny about Amazing Race is that you do it with your partner. You take the test mm-hmm. separately, obviously, but then you get your results together. Mm-hmm. And each time, which is classic because you see the shows and you're like, these people are all crazy. But the two <laughs> partners I had both failed their test. <laughs> Wait, like the, we had the psych test after after we did the psych test with my first partner, it was over. They was like it your they, dad? they dro- No, it was like this guy was a screenwriter. His name's John Casson. He's Larry Casson's son, and uh-huh. he has done some movies on his own too. And uh, he we were gonna go as like the neurotic like. I don't know, agoraphobic screenwriters, which I'm not really that, but I was happy to, I, I wanted to get on the show. It was my, this was my dream. And so like, I was like, oh, I'll get on with John. Cause you know, he's perfect. He'll be funny. Cause he's such, he's like a Woody Allen, like scared of like, you know, everything. And it'll be funny. And, and so then he took the test and they were like, gosh, you really score off the charts and anxiety. He's like, I know. And then they were like, are you afraid to fly? He's like, yes. <laughs> and and he's like, but what I'm really afraid of is just being in a room with someone other than myself and my bowel movements won't be regular. And I, and I, and I was like, and at one point they were like, you know, if you don't win, you have to go to um, this place, which is, you know, you don't go home. You go to like, it's called Elimination Station or something. The tank. And it's like a resort. It's like, a, it's nice. Yeah. It's like we were in, it was on Koh Samui. It was not like some, you know, <laughs> wasn't like some dungeon. And he's like, I know, I'm worried about that too. And I was like, John, <laughs> we're not going to lose. We're going to win. And then he looks at me and he's like, do you realize how crazy you sound right now? <laughs> anyway, and so and then he like went back into his like, th- his free therapy session. It was like, he was like, oh, here, I got it. And so then they were like, yeah, so they didn't let us go. I was so mad at him. And I was like, dude, you, uh, I mean, I could have chosen somebody else and it was like it was weeks from we were down to like the last 14 teams and it was like oh. something i really wanted to do and so i didn't speak to him for like three weeks i was like so mad and then i <laughs> i finally had dinner with him and like we had dinner and he had like all these like third degree like burns that looked like on his elbows and his face and stuff and i was like what happened and he's like well, after the whole fiasco with the amazing race <laughs> i i felt really emasculated and i went and got a treadmill and I put it in my house 
and I fell off the treadmill and I got caught between the, the, the thing and I got burns all over my face. And I was like, oh my God, I can't be mad at this guy. He can't even be on a treadmill in his house, let alone like, travel around the world. But then, so then I went with my dad and he took the test and he failed too, but they went, let him go anyway. He scored really off the charts for paranoia and he, and, and he, uh, and, and I guess they, the woman kept saying, well, we're not, af you know, because of your age, we're not afraid you're gonna poke anyone. And, and she kept using the word poke, like you're not gonna poke anybody. So they let him through, even though he he failed the test. So, I mean, so you're you you got, and you guys won. So. No, we didn't win. Wait, where we got we got we got far. I don't know. It was from. just, I guess I guess they they, they don't want to be responsible if he was violent. But like he was like, I don't understand why why you know what, what does it say? My dad was a he was he was a he was a former minister evangelical who became who is gay and came out and became a gay activist and he would go to all these churches and and people would i mean he did some really crazy crap like people would spit on him and like death threats and stuff and so by the time we did amazing race he was full on he you know he'd been really on the front lines of and so the woman was like, well, you, you know, here it says, you know, you think people are trying to kill you. He's like, well, people are. I get letters all the time. They're threatening my life. And she's like, well, and here it says that you have had visions. He's like, well, once I was arrested for my activism, I went on a hunger strike. And after three days, I saw my heroes in the jail cell with me. <laughs> Martin Luther King was there and then Gandhi. I mean, I know they weren't there, but it was like they were there. You know what I mean? And I was like, dad, what do you? <laughs> and then he's like, well, what does it say about Mike? And she's like, well, he comes off pretty well. He's like, he's lying just to make himself look good for the test. <laughs> Which is the epitome of my relationship with my dad. <laughs> it's astonishing. Like it, it speaks to the force of your will that you then succeeded. You made it on the show and succeeded. It was. What's funny though is that the being on the Amazing Race for my dad, because my whole my dad's whole trip was since he was a kid was like he just wanted to prove that he was like normal, even though he was gay, and like you know, and he would go to these churches and try to like you know. He was working out whatever was his deal with his parents through like the religious community, which obviously was a a big waste of time. I mean, I think he did help people who were gay in those communities, but he, you know, the he did suffer a lot from feeling just constantly rejected. Like he was basically just kept reopening the wound, you know, his wounds of his parents, you know, rejection of him because he was gay. And but what's funny is that being on Amazing Race because he is a very lovable like he's like such a you know there's such he's a very charismatic appealing guy and so I don't know the reaction he got from being on that show in a weird way was I think as cathartic as I was in a weird way it was something it was like yeah it was like what he'd been looking for you know in a, in his own in his own way just to show that you know he was a good dad and he was a good guy you know a, a huge load of approval. Yeah, and just like people saw him as the cute guy that you know, father that he, you know, I don't know. So it's funny how those reality shows like they're 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 silly, but they can have um, deeper um, impact. Yeah, they real. I mean, we love specifically Survivor is our favorite, and uh, and that's mainly th thanks to Megan's acumen from the get go. She was like, this show is pure and true and really well constructed and really clever. And as, as it has proceeded over, 
what, the nine, 20 years it's been on or no, so? it's like 30 some odd seasons. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's almost 40. Almost 40, yeah. But it's, yeah, they do two yes, a year, so it's right. 20 years. Yeah. It's It continues to, you know, add, uh, attempt to reinvent itself and stay fresh and sort of stay ahead of the players' strategies. Yeah, I don't like that part, but... You don't like the way they produce it? The, no, the no, no, no. I think they do a good job. But I, I feel like it gets, you know, to me, what I always liked was the social experiment part of it was just like, I mean, I remember seeing it the first season. I was like, you know, in the very first episode, they vote off the sweet old lady who plays the guitar. And I was like, oh, my God. And she's gone. It's over. <laughs> she's dead. And it was like, and I, and that's what I liked about Survivor was like this kind of ritual, like collective murder. It was like Shirley Jackson's the lottery. Like someone has to die. And it's you, old lady, go. And it was like something about that. Broken. Like, yeah, it was just it was so like, you know, it's like so, you know, there's something just so. Yeah, to me, and the characters were just out of control. And so I, like, so to me, I, I'm less interested in, like, the game part of it, except as it relates to that just, you know, the personality, you know, like, the personalities. When it gets to, when I feel like I'm just watching a game show, I get less interested. But then when I'm watching someone starving and, like, wishing death upon their, you know, or whatever, like, the crazy <laughs> stuff that, like, the, it shows about how people act under, like, you know, when they're deprived of stuff, that that part is why I watch it. Nick's sitting here breaking it down very logically, but the truth is that we've been toying with the idea of Nick actually being on Survivor for years, and it's sort of like a real possibility. Come on in, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 really I was I'm your guinea pig. I mean, obviously yeah. you're more famous well, than I was, but uh, but it, it, I I mean I don't know. This is the I mean to me this is the I mean the reason I did the show like it's like at some point it's just fun to play a new game, you know. Mm. Yeah. So wait a minute. So what was the best? What were the best and worst parts of doing it? The whole thing was just, I I loved every second of it, to be honest. I thought I was going to have real problems with the starving and all of the, because I've done, you know, juice cleanse. I mean, I'm in L.A., like I said. Like, I've done the juice <laughs> cleanses. I've had the colonics. Like, I've had, like, where you're, like, starving. And, like, and I can't even make it to, like, the afternoon without being, you know, bitchy and unhappy. And so uh, I was like, this is not going to be good. And also, I wanted to be fun and funny or whatever. And I was like, I'm not funny when I'm starving. I'm, like, actually just, a, like, a crotchety bitch who just sits in the corner and, like, you know, it's not going to be that entertaining. I'm just going to suck. <laughs> but I, but what was weird was that, like, all the stuff that was, like, the the sort of depriving parts of it actually turned out to be not that bad. I mean, it was bad. Like, I lost 25 pounds, and, I and you know, your you know, mosquitoes are biting through your clothes, and... But it is kind of like you're like having the, you know, this is the survive, you know, that's where you signed up. It's not like it's a surprise. <laughs> and it was funny how like the younger people who were like stronger, obviously, than me in many ways were like just like falling apart, like immediately, like, ah, what are we doing? Like, it was like, you know, <laughs> like there was like a server guy was in the corner. who was like, you know, he could like cut down trees and chop bamboo and had did all these things. And he was like lying in the corner, like. Dude, bro, what are we doing? <laughs> I was like, what is going on? I mean, it was funny how they were falling like flies. So, so that, that part, right, the, I think the hardest was, um, I don't know. It was, it was, the hardest was just, yeah. The hardest was when I first got there and you realize 
you know, it's like, I'm, you know, again, I'm not, it's not like everywhere I go, I'm recognized, but I, I feel like I'm, I'm used to, uh, I don't know, whatever I've done in this business has, has made, has lubricated the social, my social life. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Where I don't, I'm not feeling like I always have to like justify why I'm somewhere. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I feel like, you know, people come to me and there's, you know, uh, I'm not, you know, I, I don't feel insecure usually when I'm in social situations, but like being there the first day and you realize like, okay, these people, they don't like, they don't care. You know what I mean? And like maybe, you know, it's like, it, and they're all younger. These are all like, you know, I was on the tribe of like the buff bodied people. And I was like, and I, I felt like I was like back in like religious summer camp where I was like, <laughs> I like, I didn't know like how to connect with people. And I was like trying to tell stories that made me sound cool about being on private planes with Jennifer Aniston or something. It was just like, and, you know, trying to see if that would like get me in with them and just feeling like a total like, like, and so that part was, but that was also part of why I wanted to do it. Cause I feel like, it, like, that's the part when I said like playing a new game, it's like, I don't know, it's, you get, it's some, you know, like at this age, it's like, I feel like I'm, I don't know, like to be unburdened by my own luggage and my own sense of identity is something that is, I crave it a little bit mm -hmm. where you don't feel like, you know, here in LA, I'm always like, I'm going to wait in line at that place or, you know, <laughs> you know, like everything yeah. becomes, you know, you start seeing it's like, you know, when you, that's, what's fun about traveling is like, you just, you don't know how to orient everything. And so you're kind of liberated from your own, like limited way of thinking about things, you know? Yeah. And so you have to like take everything, in a new way and that's what was fun about survivor 2 where it's just you know you're you're divorced from your old self and and or an, you can play a new self well and, and you mm. you've had a lot of success uh with film work and tv work where that in, in a way that has its own sort of cage where people come to expect certain things of you or they know your voice. Mm -hmm. And so you, you can feel hemmed in by like, uh, I live in this world there, there, it has its certain ruts Yeah, and it sounds like it's really liberating to break out of that. And I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I'm sure that's why, you know, you guys take on different kinds of not just roles, but you know, mediums or ways to express yourself and, and I think that that's that's the part that I definitely am feeling more than ever in terms of the business and here being living here is this feeling of, you know, it's like you want to live an interesting life and you want to have respect for yourself as far as like the choices you made and like, you know, who you, how you lived, you know, and, and I just don't want to do things out of a compulsive just because that's what I do or that's where I get my approval. And that's, you know, it's like you want to have a more, you know, inspired way of lo looking at how you spend your time. You know what I mean? Especially as like, for me, you know, like obviously I, I wanted to make enough money to live and, and, and all that, but that's covered, you know? And so it's like, now it's sort of like, you know, it's cool to have, you know, make movies and have people like them or not like them or whatever. But I know, I know all the feelings. <laughs> it's like, as I embark on it, it's like, I, you know, this is a cool new thing, but I already, you know, it's like, 
it's it's like I feel like I know how I'm gonna f you know feel all the way through it, or I know what you know. I don't know. It's something. It just feels familiar in some way, and so it's like the rush for me is when you're like you know you you know yeah you're you're you're. I don't know, uh, yeah, are you standing in front of some new way of thinking or feeling that you can't control and you, you learn something and I don't know. So th those are the experiences that I want to try to seek out, but sometimes you, out of laziness or just, it's just easier to just take the job or, <laughs> or just do the thing that you know that you're, you're good at doing, you, mm -hmm. you know, but. Yeah. Yeah, and I think everything is relative because, you know, every everyone is allowed to get to a point where they feel like they've, you know, come to a crossroads and maybe they want to do something else. And, and why are they questioning, you know, where they're, where they're at and continuing forward with the same thing they've been doing? I mean, I think it happens to everybody at a certain point. Yeah. Right. And it's also, to me, it's, a, it's, it's really more, it's just about saying money and the certain kind of attention that I get in this industry is is not the value is not the metrics for how I value my life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you've had the good fortune to learn that that d doesn't pay the dividends yeah. that mm -hmm. the, the audience might suspect it would. But if I would just say to the audience who's thinking that, trust me, <laughs> you don't have to go through all this yeah. to, to yeah. learn the lesson. Like no, I know I'd... you can't. You don't unless you, it's just like anything is like. I can't tell people what it's like to be on Survivor and then know what is on it, but I can, t you know, it's like, trust me, like, it's not, it's... Yeah. I, th I think this is a delicious conversation about the human experience because it's applicable to anybody's life where it sort of, sort of boils down to the question, um, in your case, of like, do I, do I uh, stay in this world of opportunity where I can write myself to happiness or I can create, mm -hmm. you know, uh, th through your work, you can, you can create a sense of fulfillment or should I step away from that and allow my, the way I live my life to create that mm -hmm. sense of fulfillment? Should I live the movie or should I yeah, make, write the, the movie. make the movie? Or is it, is the answer a balance <clears throat> yeah. of, of the two? Um, and it's something that I, you know, Megan and I, from the get-go, have had a student-teacher element because she's been through everything in the business uh, a decade before me, just because of our age difference, um, and and her, you know, she's been cast as the lead of stuff as soon as she showed up to her first audition, um, whereas I was more like, "How do you guys have room for a donkey in this production?" And so in our in our lives together and in our house. We, we definitely feel very lucky that we get to make our living being creative, whether it's doing stuff with her band or working as actors or writing books or doing a podcast. But that is a constant, you know, something that it's hard to fathom once it, from the outside it appears that our dreams have come true. It's hard to fathom that you're still human beings with all of the insecurities and neuroses and whatever. Um, so even even if you're you know handed a five picture deal as a superhero from Marvel or Disney whatever they're called now, uh, everyone's dream. It's yeah. It's <laughs> but but actually so, but, yeah. but truly the dream of many yeah. or, or what you would think a Hollywood dream would be. Yeah. And it's pretty it's pretty easy to fathom once you get remotely close to it. 
how it applies really practically, where you're like, oh, that, okay. So not only am I signing up to play the superhero, but I have to work with a trainer six hours a day. Like, my f eating is going to be is torturous for the next seven years. I have to fly to Tokyo at the drop of a hat for junkets and so forth. Like, mm. once you begin to understand the the many, the myriad ways in which it takes over your life, suddenly it's not so much a dream as like a really complicated life choice. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's healthy that you are, in, that you are able to ask that of yourself rather than, you know, you know. But what's the answer? Well, <laughs> so we were talking earlier before we started recording, you were saying that you are at a point where you were wondering how much money you need to have before you can stop. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a minute. I mean, is there a number? There's an there's a commercial that has like, you know, have you seen those commercials where it's like your retirement number and it's like and they're like a million and da 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 and it's like I just I think that's funny to think that there's a number. But I but I but I I um I don't know. I mean, it's funny because I look at my parents and and this is pretty personal, but I doubt they'll listen to this. But like, you know, my dad has always had this need to feel special, which I definitely am. I don't know. I, I'm that's my malediction. But like I but I you know, it's like and he has lived his life like needing to be seen and da da and all this stuff. And there's like a lot of sturm and drong with that. And my mom has not really been like that. She just has a community of friends. And like, and as I've gotten older, it's like, I look at my mom and like, she has her, I don't know, she's just, it's like, she's she's just put roots like deeper and deeper and the roots are, you know, really strong. And it seems like that's what you guys are doing, which is, you know, it's like create, you know, have, creating a really creative community. And, and I don't know, like having like- Well, that's one thing about doing this podcast is you, you know, we're talking to all, different people and so far they've all been people that we know but it every person has made me think about you know different subjects like this and things that you know I think you can always relate to everybody's experience but I think that's a cool um offshoot of this of doing this podcast is that it makes you it makes you think about a lot of things and really examine where you're at yeah, and I mean specifically in your case, the I, I feel like you're really good. The thing um, I love about your work so much is your ability to insert these questions uh, front and center in your films. In uh, Brad Stannis, Beatrice at Dinner, and Enlightenment spring to mind, where you're putting these existential questions like, mm-hmm. "What are we doing here?" <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah. what. How, what life choices can I feel good about, or yeah. or will I just be a drone? Right, yeah, yeah. How can I avoid that regret? Yeah, yeah. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Yeah, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Life is a highway. 
And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Um, I think we do need to talk about the show you did for HBO, Enlightened, which is one of Nick and my all-time favorite shows. Um, what did you do? Two seasons? We did two seasons. Yeah, yeah. and we were so... Uh, I told you this before, but when I found out that it wasn't going to have a third season, and I told Nick, he started crying. Wow. <laughs> it was a very dusty uh, grain truck. He we were in the back crying. of a grain truck. There's That's a lot of how much we air. loved it. That's awesome. Yeah. So what I, when you said... Because I don't think I ever realized until now that you were from Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, we we did talk a little bit about all the tarot card reading, you know, channeling aspects of being from here and just this little subculture. So how that now the mm -hmm. idea of the show is taking on a whole new meaning, but... <laughs> I really am that woman. <laughs> <laughs> you are that beautiful blonde woman. Um, so talk, let's talk about that a little bit. Like, did did you go to them with, did you go to HBO with the idea or did they approach you to do a show? Well, I wanted to do a show with Laura and I had- Laura Dern. Yeah, Laura Dern. And the idea was like, she'd had a version of the idea and I was, I was, you know, the time before, I didn't want to do TV again because the last time I did TV, I was actually hospitalized because I lost my mind. I was like, <laughs> I literally had, like, the beginning of Enlightened, she's, like, at her work, and she's like, fuck all of you, da -da. And that was what happened to me, where I was like, burn it down, like, sent the email you're not supposed to send, copy everybody in Hollywood, like, <laughs> send all. And it was like, and, I, and a part of me was, it was just a, it was like a, literally a Fox uh, sitcom, and... And it was just, it was Jason Schwartzman and Molly Shannon. And, Mike and, White, bridge burner. Wait, I, what was the name of that show? It was show? called Cracking Up, ironically. Oh, yes. <laughs> and and uh, right. I just had the worst experience on that. And I felt like I was throwing this party and I had all my friends come and then the party sucks and then it doesn't end. And it just keep every day you're like, sorry, I know this sucks, but I don't know what to do. You know, and I was, I was, I was still pretty young, like I was 33 or four or whatever. And I was, and, and so, yeah, I had this, like, basically I had like a nervous breakdown and I was, I went to a shrink. I, like, I'd sent this letter. I was hoping that they'd fire me. And instead, like, I, I got a call and they were like, Gail Berman's in her office and she's crying. She's never felt more betrayed by a writer, but where's the script? And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I was like, it's not over? Like, it was like, it was, like, it was just going to be more hostile. And like, it just, and so I like, uh, I started feeling like I was having a heart attack. And I went to a shrink that my dad, of course, uh, connected me to. And I, he was like, do you feel like you're, you know, have any suicidal ideation? And I was like, well, I want to throw myself in front of a bus, but like, that's not new really. And then, and so the next thing you know, I'm like being checked into Lost and Cenas. And I, and, they, and I was like, and I realized I was like, gonna have a room. And I was like, you know, you guys, I'm not like crazy. I'm just stressed the fuck out. And this is not necessarily gonna help me. 
And like, so then I, I literally am chased out of Los Angeles. Like they ch run after me. I'm in a, I get to my car, I lock the door. I like drive off as these people are chasing me. My, my mother's with them and she's crying. She doesn't know what's going on. You had to escape in other words? Yeah, I was like, I, no. And as they were doing all the paperwork, I was like, no, fuck this. And I like ran out to my car and ran away, drove away. Oh. And, I, and like, and then I'm driving and it turns out the shrink had called the office and was like, Mike's not coming in today or anytime soon. He's gone away to get the help he needs and so like there's like 10 messages oh. on my machine from all of these people who had been making my life a living hell by the way like all these producers who were like crying being like just get the help you need forget about the show and i was and i was on my way back to work oh and i was like God. fuck oh so i had had that sort of shit the bed work experience and i was like and then i after that it was like the best year of my life because like they canceled the show and i was just like i'd been under so much pressure that i was just like every day was like i was on cloud nine and like so happy just to be alive and not working on a Fox show. And so like, and so then- uh, Trauma aside, that was baller, amazing race training right there. Yeah. You mean running away from get, the- Get to the, the car. <laughs> the psychiatrist. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I've, I've, that's what, I, that's one thing I am good at, running away. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so I was just, I thought, it, so I was like, I don't want to do another show, but I was like, it'd be funny to do a show about somebody who sh totally shits the bed at work and then has to come back and then it's like, suddenly like i've had all this help and i'm gonna help you guys like because that's how i felt like i was like i'd go by and see you know the people that were in the show and i'm like everything's great you know did you ever see ordinary people with diana uh like there was a scene with timothy hutton where he meets one of his old friends from shrink and she's like conrad we're gonna have an amazing summer it's gonna be the best summer ever and then the next scene like she's committed suicide and he's like <laughs> and that's i was like yeah it's great out here on the other side but yeah so that was that was the idea that's that was my that was that was what excited me about doing the show was like somebody who's like she's totally lost her mind but like she's come back and she's done some self-help and now she has the answers for the, the company and everybody and and i was like that's me Mm. Oh, such a brilliant show. <laughs> and she keeps trying, she keeps trying to be a role model and be spiritual and just crashing and burning at every turn. Yeah. And you have, you're so, you're so great at casting. I must say, you really have such a great well, eye. Laura, I mean, that was writ written for Laura and she's obviously can do so, I don't know, pretty much anything. But, you know, we have a, really good mutual friend, Molly Shannon. And you were the first person to cast her. You uh, did an indie movie that she was the lead in called Year of the Dog. That was what, about? 2007, I 2007. think. And, uh, you know, that was really the first time that people had, I you know I was friends with her before that. And I, and I remember having lunch with her one time and saying, I, for some reason, so see you doing dramatic stuff mm -hmm. too. And we had a, you know, whole, she was really, you know, you know, Molly, Molly's so amazing and filled with humility and I mean, real humility. Um, but I, I, she was so great in that. And that really opened a lot of doors for her to do all the incredible, stuff more dramatic yeah, work she's, she's awesome. done since then. Well, she was the person that I felt the most, I felt bad about everybody that I'd let down on that show, but she... Well, that's how I knew her was that Fox show. Mm -hmm. And then after that was over, I was like, I got to make this up to Molly somehow. It's like, and also she is such a, you know, she's such a uniquely, it's like, I wish I could, you know, whatever she's got, I wish I could just take a pill of that every morning or something. Yeah. 
And, you know, because she's got such a good attitude about, I don't know, she's just very grateful I all the time. I think of all the parents that I've known, friends of mine, she's the top. She's the best mother, or it doesn't get any better. Yeah, she's than so, her. yeah. She's a great, great mother. So, yeah, so, yeah, I wanted to write something for her. And I also thought, you know, there's something about her. She's, I mean, I do think the movie's funny but also it's you know she plays these sort of big you know when she was on Saturday Night Live obviously and what people had known her for but there's something also really funny about her and she's being real like you know super simple and quiet or something yeah so I I, I let me rephrase that um it's not a drama it is I mean she, but dram- there are yeah, dramatic elements and, like, and she care. plays a real person yeah mm-hmm. and I think that that allowed people to see her in a completely new oh that's cool yeah that's like, she's and also, uh, you know, you did that movie, The Good Girl, with Jennifer Aniston in 2000, early One, 2000s. Yeah. yeah. And um, I, I think also that was at a time when, um, you know, on, people only knew her from friends and you saw her in a different yeah. way. Well, it's, I, I've always, I mean, I, I generally find that people... I don't know if I should say that. But I feel like sometimes <laughs> dramatic actors are dramatic actors because they ha- tend to be a little more humorless. Yes, <laughs> I like completely agree with so that. They, there's like, and so that's not my tribe, no. you know, because it's like you'll say it's the like, actors that give actors a bad name. A well, but I mean, the they can I be think. great. Dra- I mean, in the, you know, sure. you know, drama is drama, and you know, like whatever. But like, if I, it's like it's in my, you know, it's something I'm writing or whatever. It's like it just sometimes, yeah, it's like there's we're not connecting no and so like but with comedians i feel like obviously i think there's a lot more my feeling about you know generally working with you know people seen as comedic actors is there there's way less um uh vanity first of all Mm -hmm. and then there's just it's like they're trying to go for the truth, whatever it is and obviously they get the comedy but I, i think i honestly think drama is easier to do than you know i agree finding the nuances that you know because i don't know it's like that's to me that's life is like people in general are absurd at the same time they go through real pain Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's like you know you you need to get all the colors yeah yeah we were saying that the other day that most almost all of our friends and the people that we're drawn to come from comedy yeah period i mean that's just kind of at the same time whenever like when i did that show and why it was such a disaster was whatever the their idea of what comedy was was something that was so uh i felt so uncomfortable or i wasn't able to deliver on like you know something that is just you know, like, you know, just funny, you know, like funny, like that. they would be like, turn the lights on. Like, I just want to go to that house and turn on all the lights. And it's like, when she looks sad, I'm sad. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and like that m- music that makes them seem sort of crazy or something. And I'm like, it was just all this oh stuff. I'm like, gosh. I don't, yeah. So I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, what are they? Uh. So it's like, yeah. So for me, like, and I always want to give, I don't know, it's something, it's, this is my, this is the problem of my whole, uh, as far as like trying to be successful, uh, super successful, is that I don't want to give people what they want. It's not, you know, it's like if you're trying to win a popularity contest and then you win, it just sort of seems like, 
you know, it's still, it's not easy to do, Yeah. but it's doesn't, it's like, it's more like, you know, I want you to love my ugly baby. Right. <laughs> don't you, you know, it's like the uglier the baby, yeah. the sadder the baby. Yeah. It's Mike, like, I don't, I don't think you're cut out for network television. Let's no, just put it that way. Not. No. Well, yeah, there's something to, experience. you don't want, you don't want them to uh, reward you for what they wanted. You want to supersede that by them saying, oh, you gave us your ugly baby. And that was, thank God, yeah. you stuck to your guns because that's obviously way better right. than our stupid corporate baby. I mean, it's the same as just how you go in life where it's like, oh, you you know, if I'm charming and, you know, rich and like, you know, whatever, it's like, you like me? Yeah, sure, you like me. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you. You don't know me. <laughs> life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. It isn't really important. I don't think it can be overstated to try to work with, you know, you said your tribe as much as humanly possible. I think that's the key to happiness in your job. Yeah. I mean, I've had jobs that went on for years where I realized in retrospect that those people absolutely 100% didn't get me and weren't interested in yeah. finding out, you know? Yeah. I think especially if you're there as an actor too, you're so vulnerable to that. You know, it's, it just can really, that's I mean, I've known friends who've been on like, you know, hit shows mm. and at the same time they f have felt yeah like the worst about themselves that they've ever felt or something like mm -hmm. you know like or again for our audience out there <laughs> know what it's of, like to be on a hit show but i remember when you were on survivor <laughs> you were talking about the fact that everybody is the most impressed with when they find out that you wrote school of rock Mm -hmm. That's what everybody wants to talk about. And yet that's not necessarily your, I mean, I'm sure it's something I mean, you're I, proud I, of. I was like, that, honestly, if School of Rock had been like an unseen, like, you know, streamer, it was a straight to video thing, really then funny. I would be like, oh, you like School of Rock? Yeah. But then when it's like, eh, you know, School of Rock, it's like, I don't know, like when you make something, I don't, you know, it's for me, it's not like I, I don't know, once it's out there, it's like, it, it almost feels like it's, I don't know, it's not mine any, it's, you know, it's, it's really just in the making where you feel really alive with it. Mm -hmm. And then it's, I don't know, it's like, you know, it's, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's no, not, I, I it's know not, It's, it's but the yeah, same I, with acting. I think once it, once it's out, it takes on a different right. feel. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask about your uh, reign of terror in Norway with Aubrey Plaza. You <laughs> just got back from how long in Norway? We were there for like 10 days. 10 days. Just the two of you? Uh, different people. I, what was funny is like, <laughs> I have a goddaughter who, we went to Sweden the year before, Aubrey and I. Mm -hmm. And then at some point we ran into my goddaughter who's like 18 years old and she's very like, like, I don't know, it was, I was like, I got to keep her away from Aubrey. <laughs> <laughs> and then so, but like, she ended up um. interning in uh, Sweden again this summer and so we, we ran into my goddaughter so there's a part of my goddaughter but yeah so me and Aubrey took Norway by storm it was it was I what happened is I ended up going I am did all my just like I do my 
Enneagram and my astrology, I did my DNA and like found oh, my ancestors. Yeah. I have like, you know, like all this family from Norway. And so like through all that, I found a cousin who is like a, like a thousand times removed who lives in Oslo. <laughs> and so like he, and he's rich, which is, you know, the best if you're finding like old it's like it's like all the poor relatives i found i'm like it's like you spent all your life like you're like i'm not like i'm i'm like i've been trying to ditch these relatives and now i'm trying to find the new ones on ancestry i'm just kidding but like there is a he's like some rich norwegian like realtor and i was like we gotta go out with him this is gonna be fun he'll take us out and so like we so we hit the town in oslo and it was like one of those nights it's just like you can't it just, it's, I don't, even, I don't <laughs> what know. What happened? We just partied and it was, I ended up in strange houses and I don't know. It was just like back, you know, it was back when you were really rocking. I love that. How I do know. you know Aubrey? I just met her at a party once. <laughs> That's Aubrey. I don't know a lot about um, Nordic uh, police techniques, but was it, was it hard to cover up? Aubrey's murders while you were there or, <laughs> or did she I mean do you think you got away Dude, with we left, it? Uh, we left the bodies yeah it's funny because we stayed at this hotel the that, ground is hard for digging yeah in those cold exactly countries. it was we went we stayed at this like old seriously old hotel in the middle of nowhere and it was haunted like they literally had like a ghost in the hotel that they served they 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 put out a plate of food for every night <laughs> they all have seen it like they swear i mean like and these seem like normal people but they're like oh yeah she's she walks the halls <laughs> and aubrey was like it was like she was Heaven. she found her home like I, she was like, i had an all-girls party and aubrey stood all the women were down in the yard, in the backyard, and there's a we have a deck, and she, Aubrey stood out on the deck and gave a witch's incantation to the entire party, mm. and it was so right. Yeah, yeah, she, <laughs> she's found her calling for sure. Yeah, yeah. She, it's funny because I'm always trying to get. I don't. It's like I, I, I mean, obviously I part. I mean, I still drink, and, and but like I found that like what was funny is that she was really jet lagged, so I'd be so like she would wake up every morning and she'd be like, ugh for like the first five hours. And I was like, you need like a cocktail or something. <laughs> and so like the whole week, I, like, I'm like i literally like pushing her to drink the whole time. And she's like, why, I can't keep drinking like this. I was like, well, when you're sober, you're like, a, you're a drag. You gotta like party. <laughs> but then when she parties, she's like, there's literally no one funner. Like yeah. she will just, she's like punk rock. Yeah, she is. Yeah. <laughs> she gives zero fucks. And that's how I like to roll. I love that. Let's all go to dinner. Let's call yeah, Aubrey. In. Definitely. Let's do it. What's funny is I don't ever see her. The one time I saw her was here at your house. I, we only see each other in, in Scandinavia. <laughs> <laughs> I think on that note, on that note, this episode is dedicated to the Scandinavians you left in your wake. All right, dear listener, thank you for listening to another very, very special episode of the number one internationally acclaimed hit podcast in bed with nick and megan starring nick offerman what up featuring megan malone with our extremely special guest star mr mike white thank you for having me you know him you love him all right everybody in bed
Bed with Nick and Megan is an Earwolf production. It's produced by Megan Mullally, Kevin Bartelt, and Michael Landry. Executive produced by Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon. Music by Nancy and Beth, which can be found at www.nancyandbeth.com. If you enjoyed In Bed with Nick and Megan, make sure to rate it and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Hey, Nick. Oh, hello. Guess what? What's up? This episode is brought to you by Sleep Number. Oh, that's crazy. Listen, uh, do you feel that I'm trying to change you? Yeah. Oh. Um, no, In what, what ways? Well, I mean, no, I mean, small ways. Like sometimes you ask me to change my facial hair situation, or you seem seems like you would prefer that I wore nicer clothes sometimes. Mm. Well, I guess, but I mean, those are pretty small ways. I don't feel like you're usually trying to change m- the core of me. Think about what happens in the bed. Um, the sleep number bed. Okay. Well, we uh, we have found that our bed has adjustable comfort. Um, it has... I'm talking about ways in which I might want to change you in said bed. Oh, like when I'm snoring and you want to change the position of the bed? Yeah, or how I wanted you to stop snoring, and so we got a sleep number bed, and then you stopped snoring. Right, because it, ha- it has a thing called partner snore technology, where if your partner's snoring, you can actually move their mattress position. That, yeah, and like because of the... Because the mattress can be firmer or less firm, depending. There's a certain, like, mattress number, oh, shall I say 45, that keeps you from snoring as much, magically. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. Um, I think... And you wanted me to stop talking in my sleep because it was really getting kind of crazy. It was, like, pretty much... Like, just long, long, loud monologues all night long. Yeah, which were really interesting. That was the problem, is I, I wanted to know what happened. Um, and you ne- But you never finish. Well, I found it at number 35, I don't talk at all in my sleep. But I found at number 65, I talk in my sleep, but there's a beginning, middle, and an end. Well, I... Am- so if you want entertainment, you can put me at 65. Yeah, I mean, I, I want you to get a good night of sleep, first and foremost. And using uh, Sleep Numbers Sleep IQ technology, we can actually look at our personalized insights and see how we're sleeping. We can get a, a printout of when we're sleeping right, when we're sleeping wrong, and how we can improve that using the adjustability of our cool mattress. Yeah, I don't want to judge the way you sleep or how you sleep, but I think if you have improvements you'd like to make on your own, then that's great. But also, having said that, there are times um, where it comes in handy because if if you're tossing and turning a lot, the sleep our sleep number bed will actually adjust to accommodate you so that you get more comfortable and don't have to 
jangle around as much. That's pretty crazy. It is a little kooky. It's very, you know, Judson's futuristic. The future is now in the our bedroom. Is <laughs> in so many ways, but not the least, not least of which is our sleep number bed. Discover smart, effortless comfort with the Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. Come in now and save up to $600 on select Sleep Number 360 Smart Beds. For limited time, only at Sleep Number Store or sleepnumber.com slash in bed. If you're on a GLP-1, you're probably loving the results. You look good. But how do you feel? How about the stomach issues? Loss of muscle mass? Lacking energy, all of those side effects can take a toll. So now what? The answer is GNC. We have solutions that can help address those side effects and make sure you don't get knocked off your path. Because when it comes to living healthy, we're all about it. And that includes keeping you going on your GLP-1 journey. GNC. Your skin refuses to be defined by age. That's why Agency creates personalized anti-aging formulas that smooth fine lines, lighten dark spots, and improve the appearance of dark circles. Each formula is tailored to you and prescribed by a licensed dermatology provider. Formulas are customized with clinically proven ingredients like tretinoin, which is up to 20 times stronger than retinol. Get your first month free at withagency.com. That's W-I-T-H-A-G-E-N-C-Y.com. $4.95 shipping and handling subject to consultation. Subscription required. Cancel anytime. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.